Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they may go and anoint. The sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Thanks, Johan. Good morning, everybody. My name's Andrew, and um, I am privileged to pastor here and, and share the word with you this morning. And um, and just as everybody said this morning, share those words that He is risen. And uh, that's in our reading there. You know, He's risen. He's not here. He's not where the dead is anymore. And I think that's the good news of today. And like Joel said, it's truly the best day for us as believers. Amen? Amen. So on the third day, he rose again. On Friday, I ended, um, on Friday, if you were here, I ended up by saying that Jesus' suffering and death was really important. And I said, you know, sometimes people wonder why was it more important than other good people that had suffered and died for what they believed or um, what was different about it. And I said, what was different about it was what happened next. No one else did this. He is risen. And he rose from the grave. And the angel said it best in our reading, he's risen, he rose again. This is one of the greatest and most the highest impact and the longest enduring story of the world today. Did you know that? I was reading that somewhere this week. That the story of Jesus' resurrection is the longest enduring story through the ages in the world today. That's actually been accurately told, like not many details change. Of course, there's a few different details in the Gospels. It's been told and understood through generations, through lots of different cultures, through lots of different age groups, in lots of different ways, by um, uh, perhaps storytelling or, or by, by even art or by so many different ways that that story has been passed down through the generations. Told to children, told to adults, told to old people, told in stories around the fire, all sorts of ways. I was looking this week and I saw that I found a little clip that um, some children, how they had obviously heard the story and how they recanted the story back to the filmer. And I thought it might be good to have a bit of a look at that now. So let's have a bit of a look. So as I said, the story has been told in so many different ways, but isn't it amazing uh, how much children pick up? And I love, did you hear that one close to the end where that, that, um, that amazing confession that girl says, and, uh, you know, and she says, it's a miracle. 
how he put himself in the world with other people to share his gift with them. And I'm sure I could have said it better myself. Understanding is amazing. He, God, became human, he put himself in the world with other people to share his gift with them. The gift of salvation, a fresh start, a new beginning, a restored relationship, however it's been told through the ages, however you, want, you, 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 you hear it and you understand it wherever you are at the moment. That's the message of the gospel. And central to that message of the gospel is the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. And it's for all of us, those of us that have known and, and followed and, and believed for a long time and, and those that, that don't believe or, or maybe don't yet believe, the message is the same. He's risen for the sins of the world, for your sins, for me. I need that. I needed that and I need that. And for you, whoever you are, he rose, he's risen to complete the victory. You know, when Jesus died... He was, he was gaining victory over the enemy and, the, and when he rose, he completed the victory. It's a done deal. So for those of us that have been around these last few weeks, we've um, been looking at the Apostles' Creed. And um, today we get to focus on that again. A clear, a concise statement of the Gospel. And you know, today is just that pinnacle of the gospel, but the Apostles' Creed helps us understand how that fits in the story of Jesus, in the story of the gospel. Who God is, who Jesus is, how and why he came and, and what he did to save us. And Easter Sunday has us right at that line in the, in the Apostles' Creed. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come to, again to judge the living and the dead. And that's where we find ourselves. And that's uh, the beautiful teaching of the Apostles' Creed. And there's a, there's a lot there in those lines. There's, there's stacks in there and there's probably too much for today. But let me touch on a few things that I think are really important. And the first of all, we look at those first words, and that's what we've been talking about in our worship this morning, in Joel's prayer, and in just this fast, first bit of the message, on the third day he arose. Now there's three reasons, there's, there's stacks of reasons why that's really, really important for us to understand. And we are, we've been talking about those, but there's three things that it says to us. When we read this in the Apostles' Creed, there's three things that we can know. The first thing is... When Jesus Christ arose, it was a visible sign that death really was defeated. That he really did come back from the dead. Um, do you know when you, you ever watch those movies on TV and, um, or at the, at the movies? And usually towards this, you know, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy and there's a lot going on. And in my mind, I have the picture of one of the Transformer movies. I don't know why. But it's a bad guy and a good guy and, and the movie sort of escalates and there's lots of skirmishes. But at the end, there's a really big skirmish. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a really big battle happening, you know. And the good guy goes in and the bad guy goes in. And you don't see much, but you just get lots of impressions in your face. You get fire, you get rockets going off, you get smoke, you get bombs, cars flying through the air. You get all sorts of stuff happening and it gets more and more tense. And you see nothing but mayhem. And then all of a sudden, walking out of the smoke with things going off behind, you see your hero of the movie, don't you? Usually in the movie, he's a bit bloodied and bruised. 
But you probably sat there and sighed a little sigh of relief, or you might have cheered if you weren't embarrassed, because it's visible proof that the good guy defeated the bad guy. The good guy came out of the battle, the winner. Jesus rising on the third day is visible proof for us that Jesus really did beat sin. He really did defeat the enemy. So that's the first thing that it says to us. On the third day he rose, it shows us visible proof that Jesus, that death really was defeated. Second thing, it points to our resurrection. And you might think, wait a minute, how does that work? It points to our new life. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in, heavenly place, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Jesus' resurrection, let me explain. Jesus dealt with our sin in defeating death. It was for us. Paul says in other places in the word that we died with Christ. Our sin, our old man, went to die with Christ. Just so, the resurrection points to us being raised with Christ. And Paul says that. In the same way, his resurrection, his new life, is for us too. Just like his, his, um, his defeat of death was for us, so his resurrection to new life was for us too. We share in his death and his resurrection. So the second thing we see when the Apostles' Creed talks about here, on the third day he arose, first thing we see is it's a visible sign that death really was defeated. The second thing that we see is it points to our resurrection, that we have been raised with Christ. To say he arose is important because we know that we share in that. It's a visible sign. Even though right now we still struggle with sin and pain, um, our own sin, sin done towards us, things that we can't get past, even though we still struggle with those things, Jesus' resurrection points to our resurrection. And the third thing's really important for that. The third thing it says, it's a promise, a guarantee of our complete and new life when we will be resurrected with him. And Paul says in another place in Philippians um, chapter 3, verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus went before us, he achieved a new life for us. Well, we're not there yet. We're not in heaven yet. We're not in our newly resurrected bodies yet. But our citizenship is there. Jesus' death is like our passport stamp. Our citizenship is in heaven, and that's what Paul talks about, that our promise of resurrected life. And he says, from it we await a saviour, from our citizenship, from, from that right that was given to us through Jesus' resurrection. We await our saviour. We're waiting for the moment that we're taken to be in our newly resurrected body. It's like our passport. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's a done deal. And so when we talk about, when we, when we confess in the Apostles' Creed that he arose on the third day, it points to that for us. We understand that. It's done. It's important to know that he arose fully 
healthy and new because that's what it will be for us. Like Paul says in that scripture there, who will transform our lowly, sinful body to be like his. How many of us wouldn't like to have a transformed body? Well, okay, physically some of us might want to have it. But also not have to deal with some of those things anymore. Deal with things that we continually fall into, the things that we struggle with all the time. Jesus' resurrection points to the ultimate victory over that. That we will be risen. We, our citizenship's in heaven. It's been won for us. That's why he arose is so important. Those words are so important in our confession. But there is more in those lines we read today, isn't there? He ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This is important too. This is important for us to understand how the gospel, the good news of Jesus' work, didn't only save us. We've just talked about how we've been saved. But Jesus' work didn't only save us, but it is also saving us. And this is really important. We were saved by the work of Jesus on the cross but Jesus' work in our lives is continually saving us. There's a few things that this line tells us. First of all, the right hand of, of a throne is traditionally, the language is used there, traditionally in history and kingdoms, um, it's a place of delegated power. It might be the prime minister, it might be somebody that, that has delegated power. All that comes from the right hand man is as if the king said it or as if the king wants it to be. It's the place of power, the seat of power. And that's what Jesus' position is. That's why the creed says he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of, of, of the Father. It's mentioned like that in a number of places. Paul talks about what God did in raising Jesus and putting him at his right hand. And we get a great picture of what God was doing by putting Jesus at his right hand in Ephesians chapter 1. And we've got that scripture there for it. When he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Paul talks about when, G, when, when, when the Father raised Jesus, to, Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, he was given all power and all authority. Isn't it amazing to know that the Saviour who saved us and is saving us is the one who has power over all? We might think this world is out of control. And it can sure look that way sometimes. You might think that your life is out of control and it can sure look like that sometimes. But God has put his son Jesus, who rose again, who really beat death, in charge. And he is not out of control. He knows what he's doing. He's on a mission. There's more in that line. In Romans 8 verse 34, there's a lovely picture of what else Jesus is doing for us. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the, is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. There's that lovely picture of what Jesus is doing for us, what else he's doing for us. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. He's advocating 
for us. Kelvin wrote this in his chapter on this. In, the, in Kelvin's Institutes, he writes this, and we have that quote up there. He says, He, Jesus, continually appears there as our advocate and intercessor, and so turns the Father's eyes to his own righteousness that he turns them away from the sight of our sins. He so reconciles the Father's heart to us that he gives access by his intercession to his throne. He prepares grace and mercy for us there so that the Father is no longer fearsome to us. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus not only having saved us, but saving us constantly. Can you see that picture when the Father is looking at, at Andrew or, or anybody's looking and saying, Oh, he's done it again. You know, what am I going to do with him? Jesus' work of interceding is turning the Father's eyes away so that he sees Jesus. And through Jesus, he sees me, my righteousness. He's advocating for us. And that line in the Apostles' Creed that he's seated at the right hand of the Father is so important. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. I certainly need to know that. And for me to confess that gives me hope that it's not dependent on my own goodness because that hope would die really quickly. But it's securely located in Jesus, my champion and defender. Is that good news? I'll say it is. And then our confession says he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. Wait, does that kind of undo everything that I just said? Is this that harsh backhander that we often expect when we get the good news? You know how you get that, oh gee, you're good at this and you, you know, but you suck at this, you know, sort of thing. Or this is, is this what this is? Well, it's not. It really isn't. We just said that the world is not a great place at times and evil does have a grip on the world in parts. There are those who have not and who will not surrender to Jesus and accept his death and resurrection for them. And to judge. You might remember the story in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. The Bible is really clear about Jesus judging and that separation. There is a point where the separation will be made. But it's in our confession, it's, in the, in, it's a, the good news of the gospel in our confession as good news because we can take special comfort knowing that the power to judge is in the hands of the one who had and has mercy on us. Remember I just talked about our advocate? The power to judge is in the hands of the one who had mercy on us, who saved us and who invited us to share in his glory, in his victory. He made us a part of his family. How could such a merciful saviour destroy his people or scatter his own family members? How could he condemn those he undertook to defend? For those of us who accept Jesus as our saviour, who see his resurrection as a promise for us, we know that judgment is real. But that the only judge we will face is our Redeemer, is the one who saved us, the one who wiped away all of our sin, who wipes away all of our sin, the one who drew the Father's eye toward him instead of seeing us and our sin. We're no longer judged by our actions but by the actions of Jesus and that's good news too, isn't it? So the question is not, 
Have you messed up? We all have. And we all do. The question is, have you repented? Have you accepted the mercy of the cross? That resurrection, that that death that was defeated, that new life, have you accepted the mercy offered you in Jesus? And the new life that he's offering you? Because the message of the resurrection is that Jesus was completely successful in setting us free from our own sin and from certain death. Completely successful. He wasn't half successful. He didn't just kind of get there and he's got a tally and when a tally's full, that's all he could. He was completely successful in defeating it. I'm not. You're not. I battle with it. You battle with it. But Jesus was completely successful. And he did this by dying on our behalf, taking our punishment as only he could. But he also did this by getting up from the grave by walking away from death the winner, as only he could, as only Jesus could. And then, turning around, inviting us to share in that new life, offering to be our advocate, our mediator, the one who justifies us. As we repent and ask for his mercy when we fail, but he invites us into eternity with his Father. So this is a critical part of our confession, isn't it? This is a critical part of the gospel of salvation. It must be in there. Without this, without this part in the the Apostles' Creed, if it wasn't there, if it was left out, the rest would only tell half the story. We'd be left hanging. We want and we need the whole story that he arose. He arose tells us that we're saved and that we're being saved Jesus is our advocate daily. And that we will be saved for eternity. What mercy, what a gift and what grace. What an amazing gift. You know, that that little girl was right. What an amazing gift today is. Amazing grace. I was a mess and you, Jesus, did what was necessary and you saved me. So my question is, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, whether you've not following him, whether you're not sure, have you and will you accept the death and resurrection of Jesus for you? That he died for you, that he rose for you, that he defeated your sin and misery, that he gave you new life? Change is a matter of time. But sometimes it's a matter of opportunity, isn't it? This is an opportunity. I read a quote recently and I thought I'd pop that up there and I liked it, but I feel like it was incomplete. It said, time is amazingly fair and forgiving. No matter how much time you've wasted in the past, you still have an entire tomorrow. And you kind of get encouraged by that, don't you? But it's a little bit me-ish. And so I changed it a little bit and I wrote it like this. God is amazingly merciful and forgiving. No matter the past... He offers you an entire eternity. So do it now. If it's something that's on your heart, if your heart's thumping, if you need to know that this resurrection, that this new life is for you, make that decision now. C.S. Lewis said this, The present is the only time in which any duty may be done or grace received. Quite simple, but quite well said. That's what Easter is about. 
a healed past and a new future through Jesus. As that little girl in the clip said, God shared his greatest gift with people. And that is good news. Amen. Let's stand and let's confess with the Apostles' Creed, shall we? So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the good news of Easter, the good news of your resurrection, the good news that tells us that there is new life waiting for us, that when, if we reach out to you, when we reach out to you, when we understand your mercy and your grace, the good news of the gospel is ours. That we now no longer need to battle. We now no longer need to wonder. We can lean into you. Lord, every time that we fail, we can come to you and we can know that you're our advocate, that you are the one who speaks on our behalf. The victory that you won was for us. Lord, thank you that, Jesus, when you rose from the dead, it's visible proof that we can see that death no longer has a victory. Lord, we still die now. We, in our physical, on this side of glory, in our humanness, we still die a human death. That will change one day. But we will live eternally. We can no longer we will no longer suffer the death of sin. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for those of us that, that don't already know that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would bring rest to hearts that are troubled, hearts that are struggling, that today would be a day of rest. Today, that eyes would be cast on you and, and see you in all your glory as you walk away from the grave. That those eyes would follow you that are troubled, those of us that are troubled, those of us that are struggling, we would, we would call out to you, cry out to you, grab hold of you and know your salvation today. Lord Jesus, those of, you, those of us that have walked with you for a long time, that know this intellectually, that still struggle time and time again, help us to throw ourselves on your mercy, remind ourselves of your grace and the great way that you changed history forever for us. In Jesus' name, amen.